Amen. I want to introduce our guest speaker today. He's a friend of mine, been a friend for many years. He's been a pastor um, of churches, uh, executive pastor of a very large church in our area, and uh, he also now lives in St. Louis um, with his family, and he travels and mentors pastors all over the United States and churches. And I want want to give Mike Plain a hand. Give him a hand right now as he comes and ministers to us today. Amen. Thank you, sir. Amen. Go Chiefs. Yes. He's from St. Louis. He loves the Chiefs. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Sorry, a Cardinals fan. <laughs> Jesus says you have to forgive me. So, anyway. Um, wow. This has been already spiritually very rich. Uh, thank you, worship team, for um, just your bringing the presence of God in here. Come on. Yeah, let's give them... Give them a hand. Really, you know, I'm in a lot of different churches, and there I'm in a lot of churches that have really good music. But I'm, there again, uh, I'm in churches that have a really great presence of God too, and there's a difference because some of the churches that have really good music, it's like, no, nah, that was good, but I like it when the presence of the God is just lingers, you know, like an aura odor like you know the apostle paul said this he said follow me as i follow christ and literally what that scripture says literally says this paul was saying the aroma of christ that you smell on me follow that aroma and so i ask people all the time what do you smell like (laughs) you know i don't know i i kind of want to smell like jesus a little bit more and more. You know, we were singing that song, You Can Have It All. And 44 years ago, that was really what I said to God, kneeling down in the living room of my grandfather's home, a desperate, broken young man. And and I said, you can have it all. Now, he wasn't getting much in that package. But he took me up on it 44 years ago. And 44 years later, I'm still saying the same thing. You can have it all. Is that your declaration? You can have it all and really mean it? You know, there's a song by We the Kingdom. I, I really love this one lyric line. It says, I'm not yet where I'm going, but I'm a long ways from where I was. <laughs> That's kind of my mantra. I'm not yet where I'm going, but I'm a long ways from where I was. Why? Because he can have it all. He can have it all. So I want to share some things with you this morning. It's a message that I've been doing. I really believe God, and I'll give you a little backstory in just a minute to this. Um, Something that God's really put a mandate on me um, for wherever I have the opportunity and the privilege. And so, and and thank you, thank you, Pastor Sean, for entrusting me with your platform and your people and the people of Cornerstone. And I don't take that lightly. Um, but I believe it's a mandate that God has put upon me to prepare the body of Christ for what's coming. Because I, I'm going to tell you, and this isn't, this isn't a doom and gloom message, but I will tell you this. The next T, this is just me, okay? I, this is what I feel. This is just me. Um, the next eight to ten years are going to be very challenging in our culture. Things are going to get worse. 
and our culture. Now, if we're prepared for what I believe that the Spirit of God is wanting to do in our lives to prepare us, it'll be some of the most glorious eight to ten years for the body of Christ. It'll be some of the most optimum years for the kingdom of God. And so I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm like consumed with preparing the body of Christ so that we can glean everything that God wants us to glean for his glory in the next eight to ten years. Okay, you down with that? Okay, all right. So I, I just, I'm terrible with titles and messages. You know, I go say, yeah, I hear some of these, oh, wow, that's a great title to a message. But I, I just, I never feel like, I probably work harder on the title than I do the whole message. But anyway, I just simply call this one the Radical Resilient Remnant Church. And so um, we're going to base out of Colossians 2. You can begin to find that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some things with you before we get there. Um, would you throw that slide up, that first one? Yeah. So I was, uh, and back in July of last year, I was speaking out in in Nebraska, I work with a, I don't know, a good number of churches out in Nebraska. And I was uh, driving my pastor friends that where I was at, they live about eight miles out of the country, out in the country. So I was driving from their place into town, into the church Sunday morning. I'm driving down the highway and I see this sign, manure for sale. I kind of chuckled like you did. And then I believe the Lord began to speak to me about this. And he said, that's what the culture is selling my people. And he said, and the challenge is too many of my people are calling that number. He says, now I want you to deal with this. Because what he was speaking about is, is the influence of the spirit of the age. Is having more influence than the spirit of God has been having on the body of Christ. And it's like the spirit of the age has been discipling too many of us in the body of Christ. And we've been bearing fruits of the spirit of the age. Rather than bearing fruits of the spirit of God. And so the, the fruits of the spirit of the age are, is this. It's, and these aren't all of them. I'm just going to give you a few of them. Of what at least I've been seeing. And this, these are definitely not out in the culture. But I've been seeing too much of this within the body of Christ. It's, it's these fruits of the spirit of the age are anger. Got a lot of angry people. At least we do in St. Louis. Anxiety. Skepticism. And divisiveness. Those are the fruits of the spirit of the age. Now the counter... Or what we should be bearing if we're allowing the Spirit of God to be more of an influence, to be more of that discipleship influence into our life, is that we should be bearing the fruit of joy instead of anger. The fruit of peace instead of anxiety. The fruit of faithfulness instead of skepticism. And the fruit of kindness instead of divisiveness. You know, being nice is the fruit of the Spirit. Just be nice. For some of you, it's going to take the Holy Ghost to be nice. 
And I got to be honest with you, in some situations, it's got to be the Holy Ghost for me to respond in kindness because sometimes you get into some of these situations, you're like, but I don't want to be nice. The Lord says, be nice. So, but God, I don't want to be nice. He said, Mike, be nice. Your life will be a whole lot better if you just be nice. And see, these are the things, that, and sometimes it's not like the spirit of the age walks into your front door and says, hi, I'm the spirit of the age, I'm here to corrupt you. No, it's very subtle. We let, we let things begin to creep in in different avenues. So one of the things that I began to do is, you know, I like to stay up on news and everything. I'm not, I don't watch hardly, I don't think I watch any TV. I watched the Chiefs game last night. So, but otherwise I really don't watch TV and I'll read news stuff online and everything. And, but here's one of the things I began to do. This is just for me, okay? Is when, if I'm reading the news and when I begin to, to feel the angst coming up in me, and I shut it off. Why? Because it's letting, I'm letting, I realize that I'm letting the spirit of the age begin to have a level of input into my demeanor, my thought processes, my worldviews, and the way I'm going to see things. Rather than the spirit of God, the word of God is that which is preparing me and informing me and forming me, Okay. Here's the other thing that the, I felt like the Lord spoke to me. He said, when we buy into, when we buy into this, it's like we've given the password to the most intimate areas of our life to the spirit of the age. Okay? Who in here has a, an app to their bank account? You guys don't have bank accounts? <laughs> Come here, if you would. Tell me your name. Landon. Landon. So you got, a, you got a bank card, right? You got a bank app. Yeah. yeah, so you can check out how much money your wife has spent, right? Something like that between you and I, okay? And the rest of these several hundred people. Um, anyway, uh, you have a password, to that, yeah. Could you share it with us? <laughs> Why? Because you don't want us to have access to your money, right? But we'll give the spirit of the age to access to the most intimate areas of our heart. Why would we do that? And so... What I want to share with you is when you begin to sense these things, when you begin to see these things, what you need to say is, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I began to say that even out loud. When I begin to sense things, when I begin to sense that the world is having an influence, that the culture or whatever, media or whatever is happening, I'm going, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Why? Because I've changed the password. Some of you today need to change the password. Because you've been letting the spirit of the age have access to the riches, the things that are the riches of your life, which is peace and joy and faith and being nice. 
Amen. See, the devil has tricked the church into being pursuing to be natural, or another word we would we, use is relevant. You need to be relevant. I have a whole banty. I won't do it this morning on relevance. There's a good aspect of relevance, but for the most part, what we've been pursuing in relevance has not been good for us because what it's done is robbed us of the spirit, the, the discerning spirit that we need to have because we've been trying to look so much just like the world. So the devil has tricked the church into being natural while the world is looking for the supernatural. Really right now, that's where our culture is. They're looking for something supernatural. They don't call it supernatural, but they're looking for something that's transforming, that will change their life, something that will from the, that is transcendent in their lives, that can bring help, that can help motivate them, move them from where they're at. And we have to get away from the concept that our goal in life is to get public opinion to agree with us. Because <laughs> it's not going to. Not when we're operating by the kingdom principles. The opinions of the world will never line up with us. That's not our goal anyway. Our goal is to live lives in accordance to the sacrifice of Jesus. That's our goal. My goal in life is to live my life in accordance to what Christ sacrificed for me. Okay. Do you find Colossians chapter 2? Verses 6 through 8 is where we're going to be. I'll give you a little context here. Paul, is, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter, one of his prison letters, to the church at Colossae. It was, it was, we call it the letter of the Colossians, but it was actually also sent to the church at Laodicea and Heropolis. And, and Paul wrote this letter because it was in response to the attack from false teachers who were denigrating, desecrating the deity of Christ. They were really challenging the validity of the deity of Christ. They were teaching that he was not actually God. They were saying this, Jesus is good, but he's just not good enough. Whoa, isn't that kind of what we hear today? Jesus is good, but he's just not good enough. And so what the devil has done in our current time, what the devil has deceived much of humanity, even too much of the I think the segment of the body of Christ is through indifference and complacency, he has deceived us into thinking that we can move through our lives without thought or need for God since the modern technological world and Amazon will deliver all of our needs. And that's the reality. So, Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. I'm going to read this from the Passion paraphrase. I really like how it, he just really, Brian Simmons really expanded some of the meaning of this scripture. So I'm going to read through this and make some comments. In the same way you receive Jesus, our Lord and Messiah, by faith, continue your journey of faith. I like that. Continue your journey of faith. Sometimes I think we have to go back and remind ourselves, how did I get started in all this? That's why I said 44 years ago, so you can have it all. 44 years later, I think it's an, an imperative declaration to say you can have it all again. You can keep 
continue. See, this is what Paul says. You can, we, we need to continue in this journey as we began it. Listen to what he says next. Progressing further into your union with him. Oh, I love that. Progressing further into our union with Christ. See, we have to be careful that, you know, 44 years ago I received Christ and that's it. Oh, 44 years ago I received Christ. And, and that, that was good, right? It was good. But it's just a start. And if we're not careful, we'll stay at the starting gate and never press towards the finish line. We can be duped and think, well, we're good. You know, we, we accepted Christ and everything. But Paul is saying this is a journey, and it's a journey of deepening this relationship. Okay? Deepening and the reality of who Christ is. He said your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are, what, continually, progressing continually, infused with strength and encouraged in every way. For you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you into their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. Man, if that isn't today, I don't know what is. There's so much junk out there today under the auspices of theology that is no more than arguments of human logic. And see, if we're, if we're not in the scriptures, if we're not receiving, if we're not having this deepening relationship with Christ, we can be deceived by this human logic because it sounds so good. It's what the enemy has done for ages. He makes it sound so good. But it's not truth. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. The anointed truths of the anointed one. See, that's what will give you strength. That's what will cause you to be the radical, resilient, remnant church in the days ahead. Is when your life is filled with the anointed truth and you're walking with the anointed presence of God in your life. And you smell like the anointing of heaven. You smell like the anointing, the aroma of heaven on your life. And see, a lot of times, people outside of a life with Christ, people outside of the, the kingdom of God, they may not understand what that smell is, but they'll smell it. See, when the, when the whole COVID thing hit, and I don't want to beleaguer that because we've, we've kind of gotten weary of that whole thing, but... Um, my wife and I made a decision that we, we were going to trust God and, and not react to everything and really, you know, pray and just go with the leadership of the Spirit of God. And this peace just came over our lives. Well, our neighbors were still in turmoil. And so as we would hang out with our neighbors, we began to notice 
their demeanor changing. It wasn't like we walked in and said, hey, neighbor, I got the peace of God on me. Peace out, brother. No, we just began, and the peace of God, though, that aroma started getting on them. We started noticing that they weren't being as anxious and all kind of, they just, they were just like, well, you know, we're good. What is it? See, that lingering, that anointing the, of, of the truth and the presence of God just begins to get on other people. And that's what we're going to need in the next eight to 10 years. That'll be our greatest influence in the next. 10 years, okay? I got to hurry up. I only have an hour and a half left. <clears throat> yeah, chiefs aren't playing today, so yeah. We got all the time in the world, right? <laughs> so go with me to, uh, to um, wait, let me, let me say this. <laughs> I, I heard this phrase in my, the other day, I, I was praying. And, and um, so I kind of did a little research on it. I, I kept hearing this, it's time to light a fire under yourself. It's time to light a fire under yourself. Time to light. I thought, where did that come from? You know where it came from? From the chimney sweeps. So as the chimney sweeps would come in and begin to clean these really tall chimneys, as they got up and they got apprehensive and they didn't really want to go to the top, they'd start a fire in the fireplace so it forced the chimney sweeps to go up and finish their job. So there's a whole understanding to come on, baby, light my fire. And I think when the Lord said, I said, well, that's what you're wanting us to do because you're wanting us to, to light a fire, to have a fire lit under us, by a spiritual fire lit under us. Why? So that we can go on and finish our work, finish the purpose that God has called us to. And so I think that's one of the things that the Spirit of God is, is doing today for those, for the believer, for the body of Christ. What? He's lighting a fire under us. Because we've been, you know, we've been about, you know, fourth of the way up and we're kind of like, yeah, I don't know, this is good enough. I don't know if I want to do this any further, go any further, be, you know, any more radical than this. No, I tell you what, if you let the Spirit of God move in your life, he's going to light a fire under you and it's going to be wonderful. All right? You know, the Bible says that God's a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. And for too long, I think we've been treating him like a fire pit. We kind of put our feet up, warm our feet a little bit, get comfortable. A consuming fire is not comfortable. Okay? A consuming fire is meant to ignite us and consume us. All right? Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says this. Again, I'm reading from the Passion paraphrase. It says, whatever was written beforehand is meant to instruct us in how to live. See, this was given to us so that we would know how to live in accordance, in union with the kingdom of God. That's why we've been given this. It's not a bunch of rules. That was what the, the Pharisees were trying to make it, just a bunch of rules. They had 613 rules. You know why they had 613? Because 612 wasn't good enough. They had to keep adding rules because what? The rules weren't working. 
And Christ came and gave us one. Love God and love your neighbor. That's really one. We call it two, but it's really one. One and the same. So whatever was written beforehand is meant to instruct us in how to live. Listen to this. Scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration so that we can live in hope and endure all things. Gosh, I love that scripture. Scriptures impart to us encouragement. See, we preachers, we get up here and we're always saying, you know, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. You know, it's like people think we get commissioned for this. It's like, oh, you did pretty good this year. You get 20% commission this month, Pastor Sean. <laughs> a prophet friend of mine, very good friend. We did a lot together, spoke together at conferences and different things. And he's gone on to be with the Lord now. But, but uh, people would come up, you know, after the service or meeting or whatever, people would come up to him and go, you got a word for me? You got a word for me? And he'd say, yeah, I do. What? He goes, read your Bible. <laughs> the reason he would do that is because he wanted them to hear from God and not from him. See, if you're not hearing from God, who are you hearing from? Who are you allowing to be the influence in your life? Scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration so that we can live in hope and endure all things. That sh this should be the way we live in the next 8 to 10 years is in hope and with a, a deepening root of endurance in our lives. Anybody here ever heard of an extremophile? Anybody? Extremophiles? Extremophiles are these species that they're finding living in some of the most adverse conditions you could believe. We are now able to, uh, with technology, explore some of the greatest depths of the ocean that we've never been able to. Do you know that we have explored our oceans less than we have explored our universe? And so now they're exploring the oceans and they're, they're finding living, multiplying, thriving species at depths in the, uh, of the oceans that they thought nothing could live because of the pressure, temperature, all of those things. But they're finding species that are living and thriving. Pretty crazy. They're also finding uh, in the most arid deserts where there's no rain, no rain. Not like they get, you know, 10 inches of rain one time through the whole year and that's it. No, these are in... in Areas of deserts that get no rain. And they are finding species that are thriving and multiplying. There also is another uh, species that I read about that um, live on the edge of volcanic activity. Some of the most extreme temperatures. And they're thriving. And so I'm, I'm reading this. I'm kind of a nerd with some of that stuff. So I'm reading this and I'm like... God, I want to be an extremophile. I want to be an extremophile. Because I was reading this about the time I was studying this Colossians 2. I was like, you know, if, if I'm living my life this way that, 
the Apostle Paul is encouraging the believers at, at these churches that then I will be able to not only just withstand and endure, but I'll be able to thrive in some of the most adverse conditions that the culture or the world could throw at us. And that's where I want you to, I want you to be a church of extremophiles. So no matter what happens, man, that corner of the people at Cornerstone Church, just seems like you can't get those people down. You can't stop those people. You can't discourage those people. You can't intimidate those people. You can't deceive those people. Why? They're extremophiles. That's what I want you to be. That's where I want you to live your life. <laughs> so, let me, let me do this. There's something that I've learned. You will fight your fights from where you live your life. Okay? You will fight your fights from where you live your life. So think about this. If we live our lives from the place of his presence, if we live our lives from the place of prayer, if we live our lives from the place of his truth, if we live our lives from the place of worship, and if we live our lives from the place of wisdom, then that's where we're going to fight our fights from. Because as the challenges come in the days of he ahead, we're either going to react with the things that are, we would just rely on our flesh or just our natural abilities or the limitations of our life, or we're going to respond <laughs> from the place, his place, his influence. You will fight your fights from where you live your life. And that's powerful. That's powerful. So, what are we to do in the next eight to ten years? This was a question I asked the Lord. I had to see all this and everything. But I said, Lord, what... what, what? What are we supposed to do in the next eight to 10 years? And he took me to Jeremiah 29. I'm going to read to you verses four through seven, because I, I, I believe this is what we're supposed to do. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. That's the thing that jumped out at me. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for it's in its welfare you will find welfare. So God is saying, in the next eight to ten years, we're just to live our lives, but we're to live our lives equipped with something other than what the world is trying to equip us with. And when we do, here's, here's a, let me share this with you. 
This is from Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. When, if we will live our lives this way, listen to this. He says, for then, what he's talking about then is in verse 14, he says, live a cheerful life without complaining, division among yourselves, kind of back to divisiveness and all that. He says, for then you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture, for you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe. Ooh, I like that. And see, tying that in with, with Jeremiah 29, Lord says, so this is what I want you to, I want you to live this as what? Shining lights in the midst of a perverse and corrupted culture. Because if we don't, we're going to look just like the culture. We're going to act just like the culture. Remember, I'll read to you probably more of a familiar part of Jeremiah 29 is this, verses 10 through 11. This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you a future. The plans to give you your, your future uh, filled with hope. <laughs> That's what God's wanting to do. Stand with me if you would this morning. I know I threw a lot out at you. But I believe the Holy Spirit will take what I've spoken and really begin to break it down for you into your lives and how each and every one of you, for where you're at and where you're living, how you will take this and rightly divide it into your lives so that you will be greater equipped for what lies ahead. See, we don't, we don't have to be in anxiety for what lies ahead. I read the news. I know what's going on. Things don't look, but you know what? I've got a promise. I've got a promise. You know, some of you know my story, not all, but 12 years ago, my former wife passed away um, sitting on our couch on a Thursday night. And um, in the days and weeks after that, I began to, I, I always say, I don't know whether I woke myself up saying this or I woke up saying this. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But every, every morning when I'd wake up, I'd hear this. If God be for you, who can be against you? If God be for you, who can be against you? And I begin to, I just begin to say this every morning. If God's for me, who or what can be against me? Because God's for me. That's why I begin to say this. If God's for me, you might as well be too. If God's for me and you're against me, guess who you're against? No, just kidding. But the reality of that is, it's where I begin to live. And see, the, I, I'm sharing that with you, that in the, in the days and weeks and months and years to come, I want you to remember that. If God's for me, who or what can be against me? Now, it, that doesn't mean they're not going to try to come against you, but it doesn't mean they're going to have victory in your life. And if you keep growing, if you keep digging the, the roots of your life deeper, all right, If God 
for you who can be, I'll tell you what, you'll be like, there's not going to be anything that's going to stop you. And the realization that I had is even the death of my spouse could not stop the trust and the purpose and the belief and the hope in my life. And I have to be honest with you, it even amazed me. (laughs) But that's what I want for you. And so, Father, today I pray the people of Cornerstone Church, I thank you that by your Spirit and through the truth of your Word, the inspiration and transformation of your Word, Lord, they become a people that are immovable. That day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, They become a people that is like a tree with deep roots that even though the winds of the times will blow, they'll not be uprooted. They'll not quit. They'll not stop. They'll not miss out on the mission of God that you have called them to. And so thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you love us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Light a fire in me. Amen. I pray that's our prayer today, right? God, I don't want to be the same this year. I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to... um, I want to be changed. Every day, I want to be changed like to be like Him. I don't want to allow the world to influence me to where I'm going away from Him. Definitely not. But I want to be changed. I want to be going closer to God. And in fact, the more you encounter God, the more you will change. You cannot stay the same in His presence. You can't. In a consistent way, you cannot stay the same. And so that's our prayer, right? Let's, let's do that. Let's make this year, 2023, a year that we become more like Him. We set a fire under us. And make that your commitment to the Lord this year. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set a fire. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to go up. I'm going to be one of those extreme people. I don't mind being extreme for Jesus, right? Right? And in this world, you, you be like Jesus, you are going to be extreme. But that's okay. This, that's what the world needs. It's for us to go after him with all of our heart. Love him and love others and be changed. Amen? Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that word, Mike. Amen. Thank you for joining us here online to listen to one of our messages here at Cornerstone. We pray that this message minister to you in a powerful way. If you would like to hear more of our messages, go to cornerstonelife.org and click on the message tab that's at the top. We pray that you have a great day and a great week. And if you need anything, we are here.